0: Recovering from knee surgery is highly variable.
1: It was going to take
0: forever to get better, if I was ever going to get There's better. There's got to be
1: something out there besides a the CPM machine, which clearly isn't helping to me.
0: Active and aggressive with this thing, or I was going to need You know, I'm a guy, guy that's rotation. not looking to relieve the pain. I'm a guy that's looking to get back in the game. That downtime
1: was not what I wanted. We've spent the last seven years perfecting the
0: recovery system that takes variability out of knee rehab so you can quickly get back to your life.
1: Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee
0: surgery. My name is PJ Ewing, and I am uh, with X10 Therapy, and I'm here in New York, and we are now listening to Oh, beloved listener you, um, to the Bees Knees podcast. It's relatively new. It's something that we've created to pay forward the experiences of various people who have had knee replacement surgeries or other knee surgeries. We have a unique perspective from X10 and that we oftentimes participate in the recovery aspect of a knee replacement or other surgery. Uh, And in this case, we have Mike Wyckoff, who is calling in from right. Are you right in Oklahoma City, Mike?
1: No, no. I'm out in the country, actually. I'm uh, between a little town called Yukon and El uh, El Reno, Oklahoma, which are kind of outside of Oklahoma City, in central Oklahoma, but out in the country.
0: How far from Oklahoma City?
1: Hmm, Probably 10 or 12 miles from Oklahoma City.
0: Okay, not far. far. I've never been. I need to. We're starting to have a lot of patients from your part of the country, so I really need to get out there. I hear good things. Um, so Mike has had a knee replacement surgery. We ended up working together. I didn't work directly with Mike, but he used uh, coaching from X10 and the X10 machine. But we're really here to talk about your full story, Mike. In that um, we want to hear, I want to hear about your background, what led up to the knee replacement, and then sort of what happened afterwards and how you ended up recovering. So, sure. but let's go back right into who you are, and I guess this is the uh, you know the proverbial. Tell us a little bit about yourself, question. So you're <laughs> okay. on, my
1: friend. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I grew up kind of around the world. I'm
1: the son of a professional soldier, and my dad was a career Air Force, uh, World War II combat, Korean War combat pilot. And uh, so I grew up sort of around the world, and, uh, but uh, kind of landed in Oklahoma. Uh, back in 67. I'm 69 years old and I landed here about 67 and been here pretty much continually since then. Uh, uh very active in sports, played a lot of ball, played football and baseball, wrestled in high school, um, uh, golfed since then, played, uh, racquetball, uh, for a long time. And, uh, so been pretty athletic and, uh, Throughout my life, Uh, always kept in shape, always uh, exercised, worked out. Um, Up until I was about in my 50s, I ran for exercise, uh, and then my knees started barking at me when I was in my probably early 50s, and uh, I was not able to run then. I had to go to, I didn't go to power walking, but I went to just brisk walking, and I did that for a lot of years after that. Uh, But then in February of this year, 2018, while walking across the carpet in my house, my left knee snapped loud enough for me to hear it and popped hard enough for me to feel it. And just all of a sudden, that knee uh, became so painful that replacing it became the thing I had to pursue. Now, to back up a little bit, um, my knees really got pretty bad when I was in my 50s. I went to the uh, doctor, uh, an orthopedic guy, and uh, both of my right knee and my left knee have needed to be replaced, according to the doctor, since in my 50s. But he has always said to me, uh, if you can deal with the pain, don't do the surgery. So that was kind of my mantra if i could deal with the pain i didn't didn't want to do the surgery but in february of this year the pain in my left knee reached the point where i was really unstable on my on my feet and uh, didn't have any choice but i Did, wasn't
0: afraid of oh go ahead i'm sorry well go ahead. I, I i'm curious about the there was an incident obviously and boom there's pain and you're very concerned but it, it sounds like even moving up to that point on the carpet, et cetera, before then you were, there was pain going on.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, like I said, from when I was in my mid fifties, my knees really started hurting to the degree that it began to change my life. I could no longer run for exercises, which I always did. Uh, I was reduced to walking and uh, I could play golf. But uh, my knees were hurt or hurt hurting all the time. I had to wrap them every time I played, and so they were getting progressively bad, uh, worse. Um, a few years ago, I actually had to give up golf because they hurt so bad, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And but I was still resisting the knee surgery. I didn't really want to do it, <clears throat> uh, but uh, they were uh, and and uh, probably in my late fifties. Somewhere in there, the doctor gave me uh, three shots of rooster combs in each knee, and that actually really did help for uh, a couple of years or so. But then that that wore off, and they tried the rooster combs again, and it didn't help at all. So uh, they just progressively uh, went down, down, down. I never really had a serious injury to my knees uh, the problem was just the cartilage just wore out, just went away, and it was just well, bones it's not on surprising.
0: bones. It's not surprising, uh, is it? With your level of activity, I mean, yeah. you're you're doing a lot of sports. You have been all your life. Did you ever have a weight issue, or have you been pretty much in shape the whole time? No,
1: I've always kept in pretty pretty good shape and mm-hmm. and kept pretty slender as I and I'm still I, uh, you know, I weigh about 175 pounds and I'm about five nine or and getting shorter and shorter as I get older and older. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I've never had a, a serious weight problem
0: at all. Um, so this is
1: just activity.
0: And, this is, this is right. wear, use, for all the best reasons. I mean, all the fun you've had, right, throughout all these sports and activities and golf right. and racquetball, and it just wore them out, which is a very normal, natural human thing. Did anyone ever indicate there was a genetic cause for this? Bone on bone, or do you really attribute it to just activity?
1: I think it's. Uh, I don't know that it's
0: genetic. Uh, my
1: older brother has had a knee replacement. Uh, my younger brother has not. Uh, all three of us were, you know, played lots of ball and lots of sports. And uh, my dad died actually from ALS when he was only fifty-two years old, and he was an active person. He played golf and and so forth. So. Uh, he didn't really age as much as a lot of folks do, so I don't know that it's genetic, but I just think I just wore my knees out. I've really yeah. played hard on them and and enjoyed sports a lot. And I played, uh, like I said, I played racquetball uh, very competitively for a long time, and that's pretty hard on your knees. A lot of short starts and stops and so forth. And uh, I've just uh, when I when I when my knees started hurting and I went to the doctor the first time to find out what was wrong he just said you just don't have any cartilage in your knees it's just bones grinding on bones and it's just going to get progressively worse but he's always said if you can stand the pain I don't think you should do the surgery and so that's always been my philosophy on on knee surgery uh but again Earlier this year, something popped, something snapped, just walking across the carpet in my left knee, and I became very unstable, and the pain just really reached a, a crescendo for me, and I just – I needed to do something about it. So.
0: For, for somebody like you, the other awesome Mike Wyckoff's out there who are athletic, it's really about activity. Tell us about the hyaluronic acid, the rooster comb. Injections. You did that yeah. effectively. Yeah. How long? How much time mm-hmm. did that buy you? It got me about three years. Actually, it was—I guess it was
1: probably in my mid-fifties—and uh, he injected both knees with uh, uh, three three shots of rooster combs. And at the time, it was very effective, and it gave me uh, probably two to three years of pretty much pain-free living. And, uh, that's why I was very optimistic when I tried it the second time, but it just didn't work the second time.
0: Didn't, didn't, it was not effective at all. Really interesting. Time. Yeah. And, uh, that's great. Cause you know, I, I hear both sides of this. I talk to a lot of knee patients and sometimes it didn't do anything. And, uh, that was the last straw and I, it's great that it worked for you. I'm really, I'm really happy that it did buy you some time. And, you know, three years can matter because technology has moved on every second of every day, of course, but the advancements in the surgeries and in the reductions in infection rates and in the hardware and recovery as well. I mean, a lot has happened and buying yourself those years, I think, you know, probably propelled you. I mean, now you're 69 years old with new knees. I mean, that's it or a new knee rather. That's it right. for that one, at least. Now, I don't want to jump to the other knee yet, but, but let's keep going. It, it's interesting, though, for, well, I guess I had one more question. How about this? Do you, did you do it the right way? Should you have done the surgery years ago, or do you think this kind of worked out the way it should have? I think it uh,
1: worked out pretty much the way it should have in terms of when I did it. Now, in terms of how it went when I did it, uh, maybe it would have been better. Maybe it would have been easier if I'd been younger. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I did not go into this with any uh nervousness at all 2 years ago I replaced I did a total replacement of my right shoulder and I was told at the time by people who had done it by medical people by the surgeon who did it that this is the worst kind of replacement your shoulder and I literally sailed through that I was the poster boy of physical therapy I could do anything they asked me to do and so I didn't go into this knee surgery with uh any fear at all i I presumed I was just going to sail through this knee knee surgery the same way
0: mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't go that way, and I was actually very surprised that it didn't uh, the knee has so much pressure on it, mm-hmm. and it, it so much of our weight and so much of our activity is based on the knee that it can be a very different you know the damage can be a lot more, and also I think that we end up with uh, you know, a lot of other factors that, you know, with where it's a lower extremity. So there's a lot, a lot of swelling potentially there. Uh, it's a, you know, I don't know if you can compare them and it's a lot harder than the hip as well. The hip is something that you can sail through a little bit like sure. your shoulder, but the knee, I think that's why we spent so much time developing our technology because the knee is, is fraught with problems. And and I don't want to quote percentages, but it, it's a percentage. It's, four to seven to more percent of knee patients have either disappointment with their recovery and their overall surgery or just, you know, end up having a really bad experience. So it's, it's not insubstantial the number of people that aren't quite as happy as they'd like to be after this surgery.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I just went into a little bit naive. I had no apprehensiveness at all or anxiety because I'd done well with my shoulder. But it it was pretty obvious to me when I woke up from surgery that this was going to be a different kind of experience, uh, because my knee was very swollen when I woke up and they immediately, uh, put me on one of those CPM machines, And, uh, you know, two hours a day, three times a day. And, and the swelling in my knee just, just went off the chart. And, uh, Uh, it was, I knew when I woke up, that this was going to be a different kind of experience. uh, Interesting.
0: Tell me this. Um, first of all, where did you have the surgery?
1: At the, uh, bone and joint. No, not the bone. I'm sorry. At the McBride, uh, uh, orthopedic hospital in Oklahoma city.
0: And what do you think of that operation?
1: I think they are wonderful. They, they were, they were wonderful. Um, they did everything. The things that they did were the things that they normally do. And I think my body just didn't cooperate somehow. Mm-hmm. The surgeon was excellent. He was wonderful. Uh, couldn't, I couldn't speak highly enough of him. Uh, he did encounter a bit of an issue during the surgery because he had to do a lateral release on me, uh, which is, you know, he had to cut some tissue adjacent Uh, or that was connected to my kneecap because it was pulling the kneecap off center. And that's, they call that a lateral release. And that's what caused a huge uh, hematoma on the left side of my knee. And uh, so there was some issues that they encountered during the surgery. uh, But the hospital itself, they, I can't speak highly enough of them. uh, No, no qualms with them whatsoever. The surgeon was, extraordinarily responsive, responsive to me and, and attentive. Um,
0: I just, my body just didn't cooperate with them. And, uh, You know, it happens uh, from the best surgeons in the world. And we have lots of patients from those great big name, important surgeons just as often as we have, um, from any other surgeon, you know, issues, things that happen. Who, who is yeah. your surgeon? What's his name?
1: His name is, uh, Warren Lowe. He's been a friend of mine for many, many years. He goes to the same church that I go to. He and I were on the elder board at our church at the same time. And uh, just a really, really, really fine man. And i and been a surgeon for many, many years and uh, uh, was part of my shoulder surgery as well. So uh, and, and he was extremely uh, responsive to me. Uh, he was, uh, when I saw him a couple of weeks after Uh, the surgery he was very surprised at how swollen my knee still was and he told me at the time I'd been on the the CPM machine for two hours a day three times a day and he told me to to cut out all of that totally for a few days and rest my knee and then uh, shortly after that they put me in a, a regular PT program uh, with a therapist and so forth three days a week. And, uh, I was faithful. I did it. I did everything. You know, I'm a CPA and, and I believe in, you know, you do things the way they're supposed to be done. And so when they told me how to do things and what to do, that's what I did. And I was extremely faithful and diligent in doing exactly what I was told to do, but my body just, uh, didn't cooperate the way everybody wanted it to and and just didn't just didn't respond to traditional therapy uh the swelling just would not go down Uh, i had a it felt like a steel band from several inches above my knee to several inches below my knee and it just would not break apart it just would not loosen up and uh, i was just just wasn't working and Tell me, you mean. know, a lot of people and
0: a lot of people end up on this CPM machine in the hospital for sure. You ended mm-hmm. up doing it there, and then for a few weeks afterwards, is that right? At home? Couple,
1: yeah. They said at home with me, and I did it for a couple of weeks at home afterwards as well. Were you
0: seeing any gains while you were using it in range of motion?
1: No, not really. Uh-uh. Okay. No, it just uh, I, I was just sticking with it because I was supposed to do it two hours every day, and then when the surgeon saw it. Uh, a couple of weeks after I'd been home and then gone to see him, he said to cut back way back on that for, he, in fact, he cut it out everything for a few days and then said, when you go back on it, maybe 20 minutes, three times a day. And, uh, so, uh, and then shortly after that is when they started being on a, a regular physical therapy program with a therapist three days a week.
0: And, um, Tell us more again. Uh, CPM is still out there. Amazing, amazingly enough, you were doing in the hospital. How many hours was it? A total of two hours a day, or was that multiple no, sessions? No, six hours. It was three
1: right. two-hour sessions every day, so it was six hours every day in the hospital and uh, in the hospital. Yeah, at home mm-hmm. as well. Same at home. Yeah, and when I, I mean, the day I when I woke up from surgery, I did. You know, they started me on that CM, uh, CPM machine that day, and I understand that that's standard procedure for yeah. that kind of thing. But I, yeah. uh, and I think that it might have been just too much for my knee, uh, considering the lateral release that they did, and and uh, so I, I I don't know that, but uh, what I do know is that it was not effective in in just enabling me to bend my knee i mean i the machine would bend my knee but once my knee came off of that machine i wasn't able to bend my knee very well at all and i had this i just had this tremendous swelling and this what felt to me like just a steel band over the top of my knee and it just would not break
0: apart yeah um and you're you're on a bed with the cpm if right. You have controls over the the sort of the bending as it goes. It, um, I mean, I, I've never sat on a CPM, and which I'm realizing is a big failing on my end. But I understand that it's a little hard to keep it in the right spot. I've been told by a number of professionals that getting it around the hip and for it to stay in the right, the same spot, is a bit of a challenge. Anything else about that experience that you remember? No,
1: I, and I don't remember having any difficulty
0: keeping it in
1: the position that it was supposed to be in, uh, like that. I, I, I know at the time, in my brain, I became a little bit dependent on it because I felt like, well, I have to have this, I have to do this because I'm not progressing, and I, I have to keep doing this. And then, then they came out and took it away. So, <laughs> right, uh, and I wasn't sure I was ready for them to take it away, but it was it really wasn't helping me any. So yeah. uh, that was just kind of a psychological thing. Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. All right. So there you are. You've you're, you've done your really a couple. Sounds like a couple of weeks CPM at home. You're now going to outpatient. Is that about the right timeline? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, then and then I started the the physical
1: therapy with a, a therapist three days a week, and then about uh, five weeks post op. I developed a prostate infection, a very serious prostate infection and uh, i I just started fe- I had high fever and just hurt all over and I presumed that it had to do with my knee because that was the big trauma that was going on in my life and so I called the the surgeon and uh, he came out to my house about ten o'clock one evening. Uh, should take a look at it and he thought my knee looked okay but he said you're obviously really really sick and I'm concerned that this whatever is going on could work its way into your knee so I'd like to put you in the hospital and put you on an IV antibiotic and he brought in a uh, an infectious disease fellow to help him with it and uh, they did a great job they were very attentive and they really took care of me in that but it turned out it was a prostate infection and it didn't have anything to do with my knee but But they did prevent it from getting into my knee. Marvelous, that was all good. Yeah. And how long were were you in the hospital? Four days. Wow. I was there four days, and then I was on IV antibiotics for I think another, I believe it was another seven or ten days after that. Where I I would go in and and you know they put a little tick line in my uh, arm, and I would go in and they would do IV antibiotics every day after they released me from the hospital. So uh, I was pretty sick uh, but it really set me back on therapy I probably lost a couple of weeks in terms of just pursuing really hard therapy and and so forth and uh, uh then the, then that's when they after I would say about 10 weeks then the doctor began to get concerned cuz I just wasn't progressing and He felt like uh, he started talking about doing an MUA, and uh, he was actually concerned about it. He was fearful that it would be counterproductive since everything else they tried had kind of backfired. But he felt like, medically speaking, this is probably the thing we should do, and he actually scheduled it. Uh, I was very concerned uh, just because of the swelling that I had. I thought, gee whiz, I don't... (laughs) I don't want to do something that's going to make it even more swollen. My wife was very nervous about it, and she, of course, did what everybody does. When somebody talks to you about something you don't understand, she went on the Internet. (laughs) And uh, there were uh, – what she read about MUAs on the Internet, there was almost as many bad things that can happen from that as good things. And so she started looking for alternatives to MUA, and that's when the X10 popped
0: up. yeah it's funny because we're aren't we all warned careful about going to the internet because there's a lot (laughs) and there is there's a lot of misinformation confusion self-diagnosis that we all want to do web md and other you know reputable good places to learn but you know without professionals involved it can be a little scary but and so she's looking for mua alternatives and that's how she ended up with the x10 it sounds like this popped up and I was actually at therapy
1: when she did this, and when I came home, of course, I was pretty exhausted and and very discouraged. And she came to me and said that she had found this and she wanted me to look at it. And to be honest, I was extremely skeptical, and uh, I'd never heard of this before. And I, I read about it, and then the next time I went to therapy, I asked the therapist, Have you ever heard of a of an x10 machine and he said no uh i asked the surgeon have you ever heard of one of these and he said no and so i was pretty skeptical of it why did you go
0: forward at all i i mean hearing this (laughs) and by the way your story mike this is what everybody almost all of our patients at least those that are in trouble in quotes and those are you know out of range from our normal delivery in the state of michigan i mean that's the story for everyone i'm always kind of amazed or I marvel at the fact that they actually called us because we are small. I and called not you well known. PJ. I, call, I called you because my wife
1: insisted that I call. And I talked to this fella named PJ Ewing that she had talked to. She called you as okay. you remember. And yeah. uh, she spoke with you and she t- said, Mike, I, I want you to at least call and talk to him. So as an accommodation to her, I did. And then as I listened to you and I, as I thought about this, I thought, well, you know, this MUA has been scheduled, and I'm nervous about it, and the doctor is even nervous about it. So, what on earth do I, what on earth would it hurt to try this? Right. And uh, that's when I asked you when we were talking. Uh, my my MUA was scheduled for a week, and at the time, it was going to be difficult to get a machine here to my home in Oklahoma. Uh, It was going to take about five days to get one here, and I didn't think that was going to give me enough time to try it to see if it was going to help me before we actually had to go through this MUA, but somehow during the course of our conversation, you mentioned that you could get a machine as far as Georgia the next day. Well, my oldest nephew lives in Canton, Georgia, so we agreed that you guys would deliver the machine, the X-10, to my nephew's home in Canton, Georgia. And Ann and I, my wife and I, got in the car and drove nearly all night to get to to Canton. And we met uh, Dave Lehman, who showed up. And be truthful with you, I just was still kind of skeptical. But then Dave showed up, and he set the machine up and he showed me how to work it properly. And you had mentioned to me that I would know within a couple of three days if it was going to help me. And so I d- decided when I went that I would stay there in Georgia at my nephew's house for four days, and I would try the machine to, see, to give it a go, just to see if it was going to help. And when I started on the X10, I was at – 96 degrees flexion, and that wasn't even close as far as the doctor was concerned. Um, and uh, I can't remember what my degree of extension was, but uh, that's where I started with the X10. And within a couple of days, I could tell, and I did, I did three sessions a day for 30 minutes a day. And we had the logbook out there so I could measure, you know, I could write down progress if I was making progress. And and I set the first uh, three days, four days, I was there four days, and every time I got on the machine, my goal was to go one degree higher. So I was trying to go up three three degrees per day, and uh, I did that. I did that on the machine. And so it became very obvious to me, this is, I haven't been able to do this. And I could actually feel this steel band that I had felt on the top of my knee. I could actually feel that going down, uh, breaking apart, and uh, getting smaller and smaller. And so I was extremely encouraged after... Uh, just several sessions on the X10, and I I felt like this is really going to help me, and I need to I need to stick with this thing. But I couldn't stay in Canton for a long enough period of time to really give it a full run, and that's when I called you and asked you if you would mind if I rented a van and brought it home. Right. And so I, and you and you said yes, which was amazed me. I just thought, wow, this cup and vent, these guys are so so accommodating here and so we that's what we end up doing after four days there in canton i rented a van and we loaded it in the back of the van and brought it home and got it pj i mean uh dave had told me shown me how to do it so i set it up here when i got it home and used it for another i think i had it for another two weeks here so
0: and let me I stop you there let me separate, yeah. jaws have dropped all over the world listening to your, <laughs> you because <laughs> the amount of effort you have had to go through. I mean, even before this X10 even came into your life, just the, the, how far south this whole thing went, including the prostate infection, now losing weeks of recovery, now sitting there you know, with your wife grasping at straws on the Internet, truly – and mm-hmm. then you, skeptical, smart, you, you know, you know driving all night to, to – I mean, it's – I mean, hats off, I guess, is what I would try to say. But wow, uh, and that, that's one of the reasons I did want to get us on the phone together because it's amazing the effort that you've had to go through to get a normal recovery, a proper recovery. And, and that's, at this point, we're talking 10 weeks post-surgery. I mean, we're – this yeah. is the 11th hour. Your doctor is scheduled yeah. the MUA. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a and and the MUA means a restart, so that that's even worse. Exactly. Right? I mean, n- exactly. now we're now yeah. We're, that's what I feared. I thought, thought, oh
1: my word! I, I just, I just, it just overwhelmed me to think of going under anesthetic, and just starting over. Even though I really my progress had not been that great, I just thought I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can start completely over again with this and wake up with that thing's swollen again and. I just I, so I really needed some something else to come along to give me a, an opportunity to do something else, and, and that's why I decided. Well, what do I have to lose? I'm just gonna, you know, a week from now I'm gonna go in and they're gonna do an MUI on me, and they're gonna try to do in 30 minutes in this, in the operating room what I might be able to do, you know, on my own. And that's indeed how I viewed became to view the X10. It was kind of like a controlled, measured, systematic manipulation without anesthetic. The way it should have been should be done, I think, uh, rather than go into a surgical room and have them put you out and spend 30 minutes just trying to break all the scar tissue up and everything up. This was a more systematic. Uh, controlled measured way to do it and that's the way I came to see this but yeah that uh, I was just uh, my wife was really really concerned about the uh, uh, MUI uh, MUA and I really did not want to do it and so this just worked perfectly for us Uh, particularly since you guys were so flexible Mm. with us and in terms of hey can I do you, do you mind if I take your machine and throw back to
0: Oklahoma? <laughs> well, then the problem was then you had to bring it back to Georgia, in the end. Well, this I did, I did, I did. But any...
1: go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I did. I, I eventually, after a couple of weeks, yeah, I needed to. I still needed to return it to Georgia so David could come pick it up, and it, it, all of that was worth it to me. <laughs> Excuse me. Right. Because uh, the. Uh, I was at 100 and I went. I started off at 96 degrees flexion, and with about, within about four or five days, I was at 112. And I told the doctor this, and he just looked up and said, Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Uh, he was extremely happy and said, Just keep on. We'll, he, he didn't cancel the MUA. Uh, he said, We'll postpone it another week and see how you're doing. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. And so, within another week, I was at 120, and uh, that's where he had told me was the minimum I had to be to avoid the, the MUA. It was
0: 120. That's interesting. That's a that's and, a high bar too. I would say because I <clears throat> yeah, and I think he knows you. Because <laughs> that's because he knows you so well and your activity level. And I'm imagining uh, a return to golf and other things that you had to give up. So. You know, your your standard was high. I mean, we consider 130 bend and zero straight as sort of the full human range of motion. It's not quite true because there are those who can get to 135, 140, even beyond that are built that way. But for most people, zero to 130, you know, <coughs> is the, the maximum and yeah. you with your activity levels and making the next 30 years of your life just full of activity, you know, you're going to need that. Uh, the only thing I would echo also, though, is, is your wife's concern, your concern about would the MUA work? We don't know that. There's a lot of failure after an MUA, but we also have a precedent with you, which is a ton of swelling. And with an MUA, yeah. the big thing that happens, of course, is that your body just rebels to this, uh, while you're sleeping, bending. And yeah, you may have missed the pain, but the body... It has got a whole bunch of stuff to deal with now, and you you blow up like a balloon oftentimes after that procedure.
1: Yeah, and that
0: was what was – the thought of that was what – that just demoralized me.
1: Uh, I just thought I just – I can't do that. And that's uh, – my wife is a really enthusiastic person, and she uh, – so she'll find something that, that she believes is the answer, and, and I'm a little bit more reserved when I go along those ways. But I just thought, you know what? There is no reason not to try this. And uh, even though I was skeptical, the the first time I drove to Georgia, I was skeptical the entire way out there. But then when Dave showed up with the machine, uh, wow, this looks legit. And he set it up. He showed me how to operate it and showed me what – and another thing that helped me a lot was uh, in my first conversation with you, you were very honest with me. You said, you know, this this doesn't help everybody. But – It helps a lot of people, and I can't remember the percentage that you told me that it helps or that you guys found that it helps, Uh, but I just appreciated the fact that, okay, we're talking about something that – this is, I think, a real thing here, and and, uh, – but then when I got on that thing, the the extension – I reached extension, zero extension really fast. The thing – my problem was the flexion, and – But that it was steady, and it was progressive, and it was progress every time. And that really, really encouraged me.
0: It's it's it's, really great to hear. It's just a
1: systematic, controlled, measured manipulation. And here's the thing about it that amazed me. Once you get up to the higher degrees of flexion, there's discomfort while you're on the machine. I mean, when it's pulling your knee back and... There's discomfort, Uh, but it's all controlled, and as soon as the machine releases, that discomfort stops, but every time I would – every session I was on the machine, in my mind I was thinking, you know, when I get off this machine, my knee's going to hurt. It's going to hurt to walk, and it never did, never. There was not any pain. When I got off of that machine after each session, there was no pain. And there was no increase in swelling. In fact, swelling just continued just to go down. And that's the thing that amazed me the most about it is that while I felt pressure during each session, there was no pain when I was done and no swelling, and the swelling continued to go down. That's what just stunned me about the whole experience with it.
0: It's, 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 uh, we talk a lot about that. It's not, it is physical therapy, but it really breaks a lot of the the traditions of physical therapy, which oftentimes involves short durations of more intense pushing and pressure. And that can cause the body to react and fight back, defend itself with swelling and with histamines and, and just rebel. And in this case, we kind of got the job done without the body feeling like it had to react uh, like it would otherwise do. And that reduction in swelling is part of the design. We get that fluid out of there, get it out of the knee capsule, get it into the yeah. lymph system, drain it out with icing and elevation, which I'm going to ask, I, I'm i I'm assuming that you did ice and elevate in between sessions for a little while. Was that part of the routine?
1: Let me think. Um, I believe we did ice and they told me to stay away from heat, which I liked, but I tried to stay away from that because that's what I was told to do. Yep. Uh, but uh, we did ice. I don't remember – and I think I did elevate some. I do think I did because okay. uh, I had an easy board chair, lazy board chair that I would sit in, and I did elevate my – yeah,
0: I did elevate it, and we did use ice. Yeah. It's, um, it's something – it's part of our protocol – it can play a big role. I have to just say it can play a really big role for some where they Mm -hmm. need gravity to move that fluid. Once we push it away from the immediate area of the knee, we need it to get out of there. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so that, and that net loss of swelling can be very much related to that procedure afterwards, but it doesn't sound like you needed it as much as maybe some other folks might have. I I don't, I don't know that, but
1: uh, I did. I, I do know that I used ice after the sessions, and I was elevating it anyway because it just felt good to get it up mm-hmm. a little bit. Where did you end up
0: uh, on your bending?
1: 125. I made it to 125 flexion. Um, if I could have kept the machine a little bit longer, I, pro- I, I know I could have got up to a little bit more than that. I'm, my, my legs, I've always been fairly well muscled. I'm not sure that I could have done 135 on my best day when I was young. Um, but uh, I, I'm certain that I could have got up to 128, 130 if I had, had kept the machine another four or five days.
0: Now you're you you kind of latched onto this thing and you understood the technology, <laughs> embraced it, you know, really put your mind to this clearly. And I think this is related to your profession, being a CPA, and the methodical nature of your business and what the X10 did. I'm <laughs> taking a big yeah. leap there, but I. It no, I think, that's,
1: like, I think that's a fair statement. I think that's yeah. a fair statement. Like I said, I, I'm a CPA, and I believe in you know, there's you know, doing, following the rules and doing things the way they're supposed to be done, and this is the way I was shown to do this uh, by uh, – uh, well, Dave did a really good job of showing me how to use it properly, how to set it up. And then his wife, Tricia, was my coach, and she provided a lot of really timely – Uh, encouragement to me as I was going through this thing, and so I just tried to stick with what I was being told to do, and what I was being told to do worked. Right, right,
0: and 125 and no manipulation. What did your, I mean, your surgeon was your friend and surgeon, and I remember you describing this to me about you know, you really, really were committed to making this a success, for your own yes. sake as well as for this wonderful surgeon that you found and yeah. who you befriended. Yeah. Um, what was his reaction after all was said and done? But he was ecstatic,
1: actually, and a little bit incredulous, because uh, he he was he was not uh, uh, optimistic at all that we were going to be able to avoid the MUA at all, uh, regardless of what I did therapy-wise. He became, I think, convinced that, you know, we're headed to an MUA, maybe. In fact, he even said this. He said, we might even have to do two of them uh, because he said, you're just not responding, and I just don't see it. So he was even thinking in terms that we might even have to do two of these things before I was done with this. So he was stunned, I would say is the best word to uh, describe his response to how effective this was. Wow.
0: I, uh, I'm so glad this ended well for you because you ended up getting what I would consider a, a closer to normal recovery, even with all the ups and downs and the adventure that you had uh, in the first 10 to 12 weeks, but but you ended up getting getting there without you know, cause you're right. The, the first MUA can turn into a second MUA. The, the research suggests that you won't get the kind of range of motion after an MUA that you would, if you could have avoided it, uh, the mm-hmm. inconvenience in your life, getting back to work. Uh, and I, I just, I know you, you write this down in a piece of paper that you have to drive you know all night to get a machine and go back and forth that great distance uh, on a, a hope, um, that's amazing that you had the faith to go forward with this, and, and I'm, I'm so glad that Dave was there to educate you when he was and teach you because he was
1: tremendous. He was tremendous.
0: He was so nice and so, and
1: just and he was supposed to show up at uh, fourth four o'clock in Canton, and we were just driving, like I said, almost all night to try to meet him there. I don't know if he was delayed a little bit, but he made it. He didn't get there until a little before six, I think. So we had, and we barely got there. We got there about 4.30. So we just barely beat him there uh, to my nephew's home in Canton. And then he showed, I did a great job of setting it up for me, showing me how to use it and uh, what to expect and so forth. And then Tricia came in, uh, followed up with great encouragement and tremendous, uh, just timely encouragement and advice on just little things, little tips here and there.
0: Mm hmm. Well, it's we are going through and, and in this case, we asked you to do a lot of the driving, but it hasn't been the last time and it won't be for a while. We're still relatively small. As you know, we're about to grow as of this December 2018 recording. You know, we're hitting some inflection points in our business. So that's really exciting for us. But we're going to be small for a while, right? It's going to take us some time, and we have lots of adventures of people who have had to go distances, or we've had to go distances, or have flown from other countries. I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's going to happen for a while for us to, to, to help as many people as we can. But, yeah. um, yeah. and I guess I have to say, I just appreciate personally, you know, you sent me your logbook. You wrote a beautiful piece that we're going to publish as a companion to this interview. You were such a great patient. You kept us informed. You worked right along the lines with our coach. I don't know. You, I, was, I, I, I was so glad to reconnect and do this interview a number of months later uh, to hear your full story because I, I don't think I actually really grasped it when it was happening. And it's really a pleasure to hear it, hear it from you right now. Um, well, there,
1: the, the impetus for it was my wife. The impetus was my wife. She was. Uh, she found it, and once she had read about it herself and talked to you, she was sold that it would. It was possibly the the alternative we were looking for, and I I remember saying to her, you know, I've just got to get this experience behind me. This needs to be behind me. This is just really dragging me, dragging me down professionally. And uh, uh, I was falling way behind on my work. I had clients that were waiting on me very patiently. Thankfully, they did wait uh, to get through this. And uh, this really, uh, has, I can't say enough about how, what a, a good experience this turned out for me.
0: Is, is your wife, her name is Anne. is that right?
1: <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. Is,
0: is Anne tough yeah. to live with now that she's solved your problem? <laughs> Like that
1: she's done this so many times <laughs> in my life that it's just another one another notch on her <laughs> 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 just one more time <laughs> she's the angel looking out for you <clears throat> one then. more so. time, but her enthusiasm has prevailed over my skepticism
0: uh, right <laughs> that is the, that's in a nutshell that's what happened here truly yep that you could exactly have said, what? my doctor doesn't even know this thing. What are you talking and, about yeah, drive I, to Georgia? What what kind of nonsense yeah. is
1: this? And I, in fact, I even told her when it first came up. I said, I, you know, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, this is nuts. I'm into this. I'm going to have to just suffer through this. I'm not going to do that. But I'll listen,
0: and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, well, I think that there, you know, this is not. I'm not intended to be any kind of sales pitch, to be honest. For the X10, it's it's intended to help people. But I will say that you know, for a lot of people that might end up listening to this, um, they're gonna some are gonna lean on the skepticism side of things, and that's a natural human instinct, I think. Particularly when the professionals that you're working with are not familiar with it yet, and that's life for us right now. But I'm glad yeah, you, I'm glad your wife it. prevailed. Is there yeah. any uh, other anything else? You know, and now looking back, a number of months. Um, at the whole process, any, any other thoughts about pre-surgery, the surgery itself, post-surgery that you would want to pass on to the next, the next person? Well, I don't know that I have any thoughts like that because as I said, I, I do not
1: fault the surgeon or the hospital any for anything that happened. Uh, my body didn't respond. It just swelled up like a bowling ball. And then I got that prostate infection, which really threw a wrench in everything that had nothing to do with the knee. But they treated it as if it might affect the knee, which I was very thankful for. Uh, the doctor was very responsive. So, you know, I just can't speak enough highly enough of of both the surgeon and the other doctors that were involved in the hospital that was involved. Um, and and as far as preparing for it, I, you know, I I don't think that I would do it differently as far as preparing for it or waiting as long as I did. Um, I've had a nice life and a good life and pretty active and uh, uh, you know the game plan for, in my mind had always been if I could deal with the pain I just wasn't going to do it and it reached the point that I couldn't deal with the pain anymore and I waited from February to May to do the surgery simply to get through tax season and uh, so I don't think I would do anything differently, although my right knee still needs to be replaced, and I'm not yet to the point in my mind where I'm willing to say, okay, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, it's kind the of a memories of the pain right. and the swelling are fresh <laughs> enough in my mind that I'm, I'm not right. quite ready to say, yep, let's go with that one. <laughs> no, I hear you. It, it's, it's, you know, but I will you, say you, this, I will say this. If I ever do the right one, I will not waste time like I will not I will not delay in getting on the X10 as soon as I can because that was the ticket for me as far as recovering and my my left knee now is strong I go up and down stairs uh, as normally as someone can with a bad right knee but my left knee is strong I can bend it it does and it doesn't hurt and uh, so, if I do the right knee, I will not delay this time in getting on the X10 just as soon as I can for the therapy.
0: Well, that's the, thank you for saying that. And I, I would just tell you that that's what this—that's what's supposed to happen. We did not design yeah. this machine. I didn't design it. My, uh, our, you know, our team in Michigan did. But, but I, I would say that it wasn't designed for this emergency intervention stuff. It was, it, it was right. designed to just get you well. Two to three weeks. It was, you know, that's the key. It's two to three weeks post-surgery. Although we are doing a lot of prehab now, so we're doing some preparation for surgery and post-surgery work. But, but that was the intention. It has surprised our company over the last five or six years that we're helping so many people in situations like yours, and uh, even more extreme situations. But it's, uh, it's, it's a testament, I think, to this approach, this smart technology that that really. Um, Uh, that it's doing so well. Um, Well, thank you for doing the interview and thank you for the time. I know that, uh, you know, just, I appreciate every second that you you spent with us. And and I know that we're going to help a lot of people along the way uh, with, with your words and and you relating your story. So I, I thank you again. Well, if anything
1: that I've said, helps someone make a decision to utilize the X10, that's good because it's a good machine. It's a good product. It it delivers on uh, what it's promoted to deliver on, and I cannot speak highly enough of the people that are involved in running this company. I, and, and I just cannot speak highly enough of, of you, of, of Dave, Tricia, the people that I was exposed to in the company. It's just the way business is supposed to be done. It's just the way business is supposed to be done.
0: I'm Dr. Justin Trosclare, host of two-time podcast awards nominated A Doctor's Perspective podcast. I interview doctors in and out of my profession about their specialties and the occasional non-doctor special guests. But we also go behind the curtain and see what's working for their marketing, overcoming struggles, practical knowledge, book choices, and relationship advice. Join me on any podcast app on your phone or visit a doctor'sperspective.net for the show notes pages and free resources. I want you to have an abundant home life as well as a thriving practice. So come on, take a listen.
1: To learn more, visit X10Therapy.com. 910 5633 Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us.
0: X10, back to full strength.